So today is a feast day of uh, two saints I love. Love Peter Chanel. Um, Want to tell his story, but I, I'm going to skip his story because I'm sure I'll tell it another time. Just love him. The other one is Saint uh, Zita, which I'm sure everybody has a devotion to. So. St. Zita, um, the first time I saw her name, I was actually on the roof of Milan. You know, if you've ever been to Milan, they have 10,000 statues on the outside, which is amazing. It's a church basically built of statues. It's a huge thing. And anyhow, I'm up on the roof and I see this one statue that says St. Zita. And of course, always being open-minded, I remember thinking, oh, that's bull. That, that, <laughs> There is nobody named Zeta. So, of course, I had to look it up. Well, actually, there is. Um, there is a Saint Zeta. Today's her feast day. And she was this, um, in the 1200s, she was um, really the servant. Uh, she spent her entire life, really, as a uh, cook, maid, uh, to this one family. And, and she's also a patron saint of abuse victims because the family was kind of cruel and beat her. But because of her holiness, they actually, she converts them. Uh, I mean, they're Catholic, but she changes them. And then um, Zita also, uh, she was known to care for the poor. So um, she would always bake bread for the poor um, and attend mass. And her family kind of has this conversion that, oh, no, it's okay. You bake bread for, you go, go to mass. Any other servants that want to go to mass, go to mass. So just her holiness kind of converted. But, and this is the amazing part. So she'd always bake bread, um, devoted to the Eucharist, care for others, spent her entire life as a cook and a maid. But then when she dies, this uh, star, or, I don't know, meteor appears, and the people took it as a sign, and her body becomes one of the incorruptibles. So um, you could go to Luca, which I... Luca, Italy, I'm pretty sure is between Florence and Pisa, kind of in the upper part of, I'm not good on directions, but you know, that's in the middle, upper Northern Italy, toward more halfway, anyhow. So the people of uh, Luca, you can go there today, go to the uh, church, and since 1217, that's when she died, her body has remained there incorruptible. Just this incredible miracle, which I love. And so the people of Luke on the feast of St. Zita, um, guess what they do? They break bed, uh, break, bake bread. Um, which let's face it, the Italians are always cooking, so I don't really know what's so special about that. But um, uh, I just love that, that Zita still this nothing more than a maid, still converting people <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years after her death. Um, just love that story. Uh, so put that on hold, I'll come back to it. Also, we have the reading from Philip today in Acts. And Philip was a deacon. Remember, the apostles are overwhelmed with work. So before they ordained priests, the actually deacons came first. And you have this great deacon who, um, hard to find good deacons, but he was a great one, where um, Philip um, plays a major role in Acts, because as you heard, this angel tells him, go on the road. And he meets this Ethiopian eunuch 
who had gone to Jerusalem, the Ethiopian eunuch, he has a hunger for God and spirituality. So he goes to uh, Jerusalem. But, and this is, the, you'd have to understand the subtext of the, what's going on. In the temple, there's no way an Ethiopian eunuch would get in. Because number one, the court of the Gentiles was taken over by money changers. Number two, he's um, an Ethiopian eunuch. So being mutilated, there's no way, uh, according to the Bible, there's no way he would be let into the temple area. So he returns home, and he still has this hunger and thirst, and he's reading Isaiah, this prophecy about the Messiah, and can't figure out what the heck he's reading. Just then, Philip is there. And I just love it, because, you know, he would have been carried by one of those leaders, and Philip goes running along next to him. Uh, <laughs> And explain, so they stop, and he explains who Christ is and what Isaiah was talking about. And the Ethiopian eunuch is so thrilled that, because um, uh, it's speaking also about baptism, the water, um, which is fulfilled in baptism. So the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, well I want to be uh, baptized. I want to go to the water. Is there any reason? What would prevent me from being baptized? Now, that's a great question, because there's a lot. <laughs> if you follow strictly the book of Leviticus, um, and Philip would have known this. Philip came from this tiny little part of Jerusalem that was ultra, ultra conservative, very devout Jews. He would have known exactly, no, no, you can't be part of the people of God. Um, and the answer Philip gives as he thinks about it, he, he's a deacon. No. Christ wanted everybody in the church. So Philip does this amazing thing and says, nothing withholds you from baptism. And he baptizes him. Then after this, Philip goes up to Samaria and lo and behold, converts a whole town of Samaritans, which is shocked. So John and St. Peter have to go up to Samaria, Samaria, Samaria and uh, confirm them. But the amazing part is that Philip, this deacon, he is running around converting everybody. Um, love that. Now, what's the point? This is my own interpretation. Please don't get upset with me. Don't write me because I won't answer your email. But um, like the bishops, um, they have this three-year thing on the Eucharist. Good for them. Because, you know, after COVID... A lot of people just haven't returned back to the church or they watch the church online, which I'm happy that we supply it for those who can't attend. But the Eucharist, you have to be part of a community and share and eat the body and blood of Christ. So um, glad that the bishops are doing this, but I don't really see what, what or how they're accomplishing it. And to me, um, look at the two stories I told. You have a lay woman who just her personal holiness converts people, uh, Catholics, back to the practice of the Eucharist. Uh, why don't the bishops emphasize the holiness of just people? Or um, uh, look at this deacon. My personal feeling is, and this gets a little controversial, is that you know we're in a, a priestly vocation crisis. And so um, I just think it's kind of funny. Philip, uh, converts the Ethiopian eunuch, and now, you know, Africans, God bless them, thankful that they come to the United States and fill in most of our parishes. Like, if you look at um, this map of Idaho, from Boise north, most of the priests are Indians or Africans. 
from Boise to southern um, Idaho is either Mexican or South American priests. And Africa has its own vocation crisis. Mexico, South America, they're in desperate need of a vocation crisis. So I'm very grateful that they're here. But, and this is the controversial part, um, because I've heard people say, well, I just don't understand their accent. Or, um, I'm glad they're here to celebrate the Eucharist. But if I was a bishop, I would return to the Acts and say, you know who's going to stabilize a community, who's going to bring people back? is deacons. Because think about this. I'm only here for six years. And then priests get moved along. You know who's here long-term? Deacons. And so, like, this sounds kind of strange. If we want people to come back to the Eucharist, why don't we pray for examples of, um, like, St. Zita, uh, just lay people and their holiness and devotion. So, can I tell one more story, even though I'm talking too long? So, like, this really amazed me. I had this anointing a couple days ago about this guy who, um, <clears throat> because of extreme health problems, can't go to Mass. So, very happy to anoint him and give him communion. And he was telling his life story, and I actually would love to put it on our Facebook, where he says, oh, no, I'm, I'm devoted to Christ. I just, because of his extreme health problems, can't make it to Mass, so he does it online. Um, and he said, you know, I, I'm very devoted to Christ. He said, to be honest, I was a raging alcoholic. Um, I was this raging alcoholic, and did I tell you this story? He was a raging alcoholic, and then um, this... He had this encounter with Christ, and he gives up his alcoholism and becomes very devout. Uh, except in the AA process, you have to make amends. Um, and he said, I really messed up my life, and I was so depressed because how can these people ever forgive me? And he said, this angel appeared before me. He said, I swear it was an angel. And the angel said, God has forgiven you. Let it go. So he said, after that... Um, uh, I let it go, became very devout, and he's, uh, now he's, it sounds kind of strange, suffering extreme medical conditions, but he's not depressed. I, I just think he's amazing because uh, all these losses in medical conditions, he really believes, oh, this is God's way of getting me ready for heaven. And I know that sounds kind of strange. Like, I walked away being uplifted. There's so many little stories of miracles and amazing people like St. Zita, um, if we just pay attention to them. And so rather than just saying, well, we need more people to confect the Eucharist, what we need is people like Philip and Zita and this guy, um, who, I don't, their love for the Eucharist, I think that really converts people. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.